Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Candace Parker is along with us tonight. And moments ago, Kristen Ledlow. Parker, what a look inside. Kristen Ledlow is on our sideline with the terrific Candace Parker. I'm Kristen Ledlow. I'm Candace Parker. And this is Ledlow and Parker. This is episode four of Ledlow and Parker. I'm Kristen Ledlow. She's the L.A. Rams biggest fan. All right. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm a Todd Gurley fan. I'm the Bears fan through and through. We all saw it. Just need to set the record straight. We all saw it. Well, speaking of L.A., we'll also talk about LeBron and Kobe. We'll talk about Colin Kaepernick and perception versus reality when it comes to athletes. And later, we'll welcome in Trey Young, the NBA and social media sensation. Yeah, Trey definitely made me feel old in this episode. Mm, Same. I will handle it with dignity and class. You certainly messed up a lot more than I did. I think all of us just want to leave the league better than we came into it. And that's what we said. That's what we said. We said. That's what we said. That's what we that's said. That's what we said. <laughs> Our takes on the hottest topics. First and foremost, Candace, Kobe sitting courtside, Hawks and Lakers, the Atlanta Hawks in town. He sits there for the first time all season at Staples Center, supporting LeBron and the Lakers. Gives LeBron a hug. LeBron posts about it. Kobe does not. I've got to ask you, does your competitive nature allow you to welcome or even to root for the guy you're supposed to be passing the torch to? Well, actions to me speak louder than words. And in this case, you said it. LeBron tweeted about it or Instagrammed about it. And Kobe did not. And it is Kobe's turf. And I feel as though... This is the first game that Kobe has attended really as a fan. I mean, he's been to more Sparks games than he has, you know, as a fan of Lakers. And I think it's more of a competitive thing with Kobe. I mean, he's been one of the most competitive players that we've known. It it can't be easy for somebody like LeBron, who is great, still hunting for championship rings, played against each other in your prime. That's what I was going to ask. Does it make it different or perhaps make it worse? That This is not somebody coming a generation after you, but somebody you competed against when you were both at your very best. And this isn't a David Robinson, Tim Duncan type of thing where David Robinson is on his way out and he passes the torch to Tim Duncan. Playing on the same team. Playing on the same team, and then he kind of passes it down. This is LeBron coming from Cleveland in which they fought against each other. In, you know, in the championship, four championships, in their prime, and he, he's coming to your franchise. Me, if you're asking me, it would be a little bit tough. Really? Yeah, it's, it's Kobe's turf. And Kobe seems like he's super competitive and, you know, he's showing his support for sure. 
but the competitive in Kobe has to be a little bit like, nah. (laughs) Because the post says something to the effect of, I'm trying to carry the torch or, or further what you started, but at any point, are you as a competitor thinking, well, I didn't pass you that torch. <laughs> Somehow I think is, as we've said, as competitive as Kobe is, was, still is. Still is. Still is. Come on. I don't think that he's giving that torch up. And um, it was super special to see for me, especially that he brought his daughter and his daughter has interest in going to see. And then we find out later, you know, Trey Young she loves Trey Young. That's one of her favorite players. So, you know, maybe that had something to do with them coming to the game. But at the end of the day, I do think it would be tough to sit and watch one of the people that you've battled against year after year playing in your arena, wearing a Lakers jersey across the chest. I, I don't know. That would be tough. So I asked you the questions from Kobe's perspective because that's essentially who you are and what you are in L.A. now. So it's easier to make that comparison. Do you, though, perhaps understand LeBron's side and, and wanting that not only acceptance, but f- to see him courtside rooting you on as well? Well, LeBron has done nothing wrong. He's done what was best for himself, for his career, for his family coming to L.A. I mean, there's no rules that he broke at all. Um, but you can understand as a guest, you do want to be welcomed. So you can understand that part of things. Um, you know, but as a competitor, he has to understand as well. You know, it's, it's a little bit different on the other side of things. Basketball is over for Kobe. LeBron is still playing really well in his 17 year and they're top of the West. There's got to be a little bit of... And in the purple and gold. A little bit of understanding about how... If anybody other than Bronny goes and leads the Cleveland Cavaliers to a championship, (laughs) LeBron will be happy, but there'll be a little bit of a... But... Well, he might do it at least a few years from now. And right now, it's been announced that ESPN is planning to air 15 different high school basketball games featuring, of course, Bronny, LeBron James Jr., and Zaire Wade... Dwayne Wade's son, Uh, their Sierra Canyon basketball team. The games are going to be on ESPN's affiliate networks starting later on in November. And Isaiah Thomas replied to this story saying, LOL, they got more than us. Isaiah Thomas of the Washington Wizards, not our Hall of Famer, Isaiah Thomas. What do you think about the response from a professional athlete talking about a high school team? And what do you think about a high school team being launched to this kind of platform so soon? It's entertainment. So ESPN is providing people with what they want to see. So you're telling me that the people don't want to see more of the Washington Wizards? (laughs) Kristen, actions speak louder than words. That's fair. (laughs) Actions speak louder than words. That's what the people are saying. Um, But in this day and age, you know, people are being interested in kids earlier and earlier. And they're deeming them superstars earlier and earlier. As we've seen with LeBron James Sr., there were so many games of his that were televised and there were so many arenas. Then do you think that he would want different for his son? Do you think that he would want him perhaps to be able to wait a little longer before being forced into that kind of spotlight? Kristen, he turned out all right. And I think that in the mind of LeBron James, LeBron James Jr., Bronny, is going to turn out all right as well. And, you know, I mean, Sierra Canyon played preseason games in China. 
How many kids? This isn't a normal situation. School basketball team. And you want, I know as a mom, you want more for your kids than you had. And I think experience is everything, but just have to be careful because I think people's opinions on these kids are being shaped at an earlier, earlier age where they're not mature enough to handle a lot of this stuff. They're not mature enough to handle no, criticism. But I would imagine most 14-year-olds aren't. Do you think then professional athletes like Isaiah Thomas, like we saw from his tweet, have a right to feel disrespected that this high school team is getting 15 nationally televised games and some NBA teams are getting, if, if half that? People want to see these kids. And I think media, television, it all caters to what people want to see. The Pelicans didn't have very many games last year. They got Zion Williamson. Guess what? They have more games. So I think when you're exciting to watch and to see, you'll have more games. I mean, that's the rally cry of the WNBA right now. Kristen, you said it earlier, viewership is going up. Without a doubt. And it's steadily gone up season after season. It's highest being this season. So if that's what the fans want, why aren't we giving them more? Speaking candidly on that, I think a lot has to do with, you know, you want to see a lot of people in the seats when you turn on a game. And so I think as we get more people in the stands and wanting to come to the arena to see the game, I think we'll get more games on television. Trey from the Piston logo. Yes! A three-pointer for Trey Young! You are a cheat code! We're welcoming in Trey Young, who, despite probably living just a few miles from here, did not invite us to his house. Hi, Trey. <laughs> hey, how y'all doing? <laughs> he doesn't know how to respond to that, but it's fine. Yeah, We're available. Yeah, I, don't, we can... I don't know how to respond. Y'all, you know y'all are invited. When... Oh, well, thank you, Trey. E- except tonight, except yeah, apparently. Tonight. Yeah. <laughs> except tonight. <laughs> Trey, we've got to ask first and foremost about this tweet. In all caps... Your apology needs to be as loud as the disrespect was. Now, you didn't tag anybody, so I want to know who this is directed at. Oh, um, it's not necessarily directed at anybody specific. Um, I mean, I think if if you're in a position where you're thinking maybe he's talking about me, then maybe, maybe I am, maybe I'm not. I don't know. I just... It was after an emotional game, emotional win um, on the road, and I just tweeted something emotional. So, I mean, that's just, that's just why I said it. So. And one person really felt that tweet in, in Lamar Jackson. You know, he's having yeah. an outstanding season. Do you guys have a prior relationship? Yeah, yeah. So I, I've, uh, I've talked to Lamar um, a couple times whenever I, I got drafted. Um, Whenever he, we were both in college, I was, uh, we, we had talked a little bit. So we, we we're, we're fans of each other's games. We support each other. And, uh, <laughs> we, we kind of have like a similar type of mindset, um, when it comes to, to dealing with, with, with criticism and just, um, the, the positions we were in coming into the league, um, in both our sports. So, um, we definitely have some, some similarities in, in our mindsets. It's interesting when it comes to criticism and a high-profile athlete, which you now are. Some shrug off the hate. You seem, though, to be fueled by it. Am I right? Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. And it's something that, I mean, I, I've had, um, I mean, coming into uh, college, coming into the NBA, it's just something 
some things have just been repeated um, over and over. And I'll just, instead of just, I mean, just shrugging it off and pushing it to the side, I'll just, I'll just grab, gravitate it and just use it as motivation and uh, just use it, use it to my advantage on um, fuel just to get me better and um, stuff that, that keeps me going. So, A lot of things on the internet, especially after last year's draft, uh, you and Luka Doncic will always be tied to each other in one way or another. Um, just from the mm-hmm. trade that happened, and obviously you guys being in the same draft class. I know Larry Bird and Magic Johnson a lot of times say that their careers were, you know, fueled by the other. That you yeah. know their competitive nature was fueled by one another. That they constantly check the other stats and their wins. Is there a similar type of feud or fuel going on between you and Luka? Uh, I mean, I mean, possibly, uh, possibly it's, it's, uh, it's crazy. Cause I mean, I've gotten, I've heard that comparison between the, the trade multiple times, uh, already. Um, you know, of course I, we, we both obviously would want to end up being hall of famers and, and all that. And the, the trade would be, um, would be a crazy, crazy topic down the road. But, um, I mean, it's early, early, but it definitely fuels, um, I think it motivates both of us. I mean, we we talk all the time. Uh, he's a good dude. Uh, we we uh, are both are both pulling for each other because we both came out the same class too. So um, it's definitely for me. It's it's. I mean, I think it's a healthy. I mean, not competition, but um, just uh, I, don't, I don't know the word I'm looking for. But it's it's kind of like we're both pushing each other, and uh, I think it's, it's bring out the best of both of us. What are some of those conversations like? Oh, I mean, we, we both just want to see each other succeed. I mean, he's wishing me good luck. I'm wishing him the same. And um, if, if I have a crazy highlight, um, he'll, he'll send me some fire emojis or he'll uh, compliment me on it or whatever. Uh, it's, it's the same thing, vice versa. We just, we, uh, we got to know each other a lot, I mean, throughout the draft process and um, throughout the rookie transition camps and all that type of stuff that rookies go through. And uh, ever since then, we've, we've uh, built a, a pretty close bond. So he's a really good dude. You know, Trey, being in Atlanta and, and seeing, you know, your, your transition from even your rookie year into this year on the court, but also to see mm-hmm. the way that the city of Atlanta and the way that you have embraced the city of Atlanta. I mean, I the first time I saw you in the offseason with your ice tray <laughs> ice <laughs> on your neck, uh, I mean, your friends with Quavo was at the game in in LA. Can you speak to the culture in Atlanta and how much you you really take in the city in? Yeah, for sure. That's that's definitely something that I mean, I'm I'm priding myself in, and um, I'm trying to trying to be a, a great example for the community, great example for the city. Um, I mean, I know I'm not only representing myself and my family, but I'm representing the whole city. So um, that's something that I mean, I wear on my sleeve. Um, proudly, and I try to try to be the best representative I can. And uh, it's good to see. I mean, the support, and I love the the culture here. Um, I mean, just how tight tight knit everybody is here, how supportive they are, the sports teams, and uh, it's, it's great to see. And I'm great grateful to be a part of it for sure. And the team is undoubtedly fueled by you, but you're not what I would describe as a vocal leader, not even a very vocal guy, but your teammates are still looking to you. How would you describe your leadership style? 
Yeah, for sure. I, I'm I'm definitely uh, continuing to get better on leading vocally, but uh, I've always been a leader by example. Um, whether it's being the first one to, to the gym or last one to leave, or even when I got injured, just making sure I was always there for my treatment times, um, getting in extra uh, work with the the training staff, whatever it is, it's just trying to be the best leader um, by example um, that I can be. And uh, obviously on the court, um, I'm getting better at leading vocally too. So it's it's definitely a process. It's it's uh, It was different coming into the league, 19, 20 years old, um, having to try to lead grown men. Um, it's definitely something that you got to transition to into. So uh, I'm getting a lot better and can still – Still got a ways to go, but I'm, I'm I'm getting there. Well, Trey, I'll say I was just on the warm up with Smitty, and uh, you know, spoiler alert, you made one of Smitty's top five under the rim plays with your nutmeg. <laughs> oh, really? Both of your nutmegs, <laughs> one in Denver and the other one in Phoenix. What made you start doing that? It seems like it's kind of a regular part of your game, as I've seen this summer you doing the nutmeg. What yeah. is, is there a situation that, that you say, okay, I'm going to do this, or is it something that just happens? Um, it's, uh, I mean, the, the nutmeg, like I've, I've done that since I was like, I was a kid. I've always, I've always done that. Thankfully I've played for coaches that, I mean, instill so much confidence in me where, I mean, I feel like if I can do, do whatever, um, on the court <laughs> and, uh, it's really if I, if I uh, see one defender in front of me and um, I don't see anybody behind them and their uh, their legs are open, I and I just go between them and uh, <laughs> yeah. and then you just stare like, down at the bench, right? Because that's a confident move. Mm-hmm. I mean, is it just solely to make a defender look dumb? No, no, it's a <laughs> it's it's something I use. Like, I mean, it helps me. I mean, sometimes I'll be. There'll be two guys coming towards me. I'll be getting about to get doubled, um, and so I'll I'll throw it between one of the defender's legs before the double team gets there, um, or or whatever it is. If I'm on the sideline and I'm about to go over a screen and they're forcing me over, I'll throw it between it if I want to reject it. So reject the screen. So it, it's it's something I actually use for my advantage, not just to 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 showboat or anything like that. It's something I actually. Um, can help help me see Candace it's a strategic nutmeg not a showboating nutmeg <laughs> we were debating prior to the show <laughs> okay okay it's very true because coach summit I played for coach summit and if I would have tried to nutmeg well I wouldn't have nutmegged as good as Trey did but if it was yeah. unsuccessful oh man it was going to hear the scores scores this table season, oh then, yeah no I, I definitely get nervous it. I I definitely get nervous if it if it's unsuccessful on what's going to happen. But yeah, the stakes are thankfully. high. The, the stakes are high with a nutmeg because it's not just making a defender look dumb. If it's successful, if it's unsuccessful, I mean, you know, you kind of look dumb. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, so that far his on. nutmegs have been very successful this season. Very I'll say successful. That. Yeah, How though, so Trey? Fun. Do you pull away from all of that? Do you silence the noise? Do you just relax and get away from basketball when you're in Atlanta? Yeah, so for me, I'm I'm a very low key guy. I I I love to uh, go to movies. I love to uh, I love to go to Top Golf. I, I can't golf, so I I, <laughs> I go to Top Golf just to embarrass myself a little bit, but um and get away from from basketball and all the outside noise and stuff like that. Um, 
my family's around all the time. Um, so it's good to just, just have my circle with me and, uh, I'm able to, to relax too. So, um, but I'm a big movies person, so I'm, I'm usually at a theater somewhere. Well, you're a huge jump from your rookie year to this year. And if I remember correctly, you quoted that coming into this year, you knew what you had to work on. You knew you wanted to mm-hmm. add to your mid-range game. You knew you wanted to be able to get a little bit stronger and finishing. Can you talk about the advantage of having that experience under your belt? Because your growth from year one to year two has been outstanding. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I feel like... um like you, like you said, like that, that's why I, uh, I mean, I feel like I've made my big jump. I mean, coming in as a rookie, it, it's hard to really know what to work on, know what to expect. And uh, you're kind of just going into a season against the best players in the world, um, not knowing, not knowing really how to handle it or like what's going to, what's going to come your way. So knowing how to handle back-to-backs, knowing how to handle, um, long road trips, I think really, I mean, has worked to my advantage and um, it's, it's really helped my, my year start off better this year than it did last year. Who were some of the guys that you did look up to that even last year maybe caused you to pause when you stepped on the floor and saw that that guy was now your own opponent? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it was a couple of guys for me. I, um, obviously, growing up, watching Steph play, um, I mean... Just going up against him for the first time was well, was crazy. And then I grew up in, in OKC going to Thunder games, um, being able to spend some time with, with KD and Russ after games, things like that. And um, when I was in high school, so um, being able to go up against them, having to guard Russ uh, was definitely something different and something that, I mean, was, was surreal. I mean, early on in my, my career, so... Um, it was crazy at first, but now it's it's more just it's more just hooping now, so it's different. It just makes me sad to hear him describe players he grew up watching. Listen, they're my age. Listen, Kristen, right? The biggest like <laughs> what hurts my heart yeah. is the first time I met Trey. Trey was like, "Yeah, I grew up watching you," and but, I was like, "What?" But just stop. Don't say that to me. <laughs> you can't oh say my. grew up like that's not I'm sorry. that's I'm not sorry. okay. I'm sorry. Do you realize? And you'll understand when you get to be my age <laughs> how that's still feels. a long way oh, off. Thanks, Kristen. <laughs> thanks, teammate. No, but but yeah, Trey, you know. Steph and you, everybody draws the comparison of you and Steph. And obviously, you know, we've seen your 30-foot, 35-foot threes from the season, the percentage that you shoot that at, and the similarities between you and Steph's game. But can you tell me how is your game different than Steph? I mean, I think there's there's a bunch of different similarities. I mean, a bunch of differences. Um, I think for me it's um, a lot a lot more – I mean, early on in Steph's career, it was a lot of, I mean, shooting off the dribble. Um, but now, I mean, you, you watch him play. They're, they're, I mean, a big motion offense team. He's getting a lot of pin down screens. He's running off flares. He's doing a lot of catching off the, I mean, shooting off the catch. And uh, for me, it's, I'm more in the, a pick and roll. Um, I mean, getting downhill, uh, shooting more threes off the dribble, I mean, as of right now. And so I think, I think for me, that's um, a little bit of a difference uh, as of right now and uh, in, in our styles of game. You were just in L.A. It's, well, 
the reason you said you couldn't come into the studio tonight. However, (laughs) what was it like to get the chance to spend a little bit of time with Kobe Bryant and his daughter Gigi sitting courtside? Yeah, no, it was it was really cool. Um, I after the game, I mean, obviously after a tough loss, um, it, it was it was tough. And then uh, I walked to the back, and uh, first dude I saw, I seen was Kobe. So uh, being able to to spend some time with him, talk to him a little bit, um, and then uh, I, I met Gigi. Uh, he was telling me how I'm one of Gigi's favorite favorite players to watch and uh which was pretty cool because sometimes I, I see her highlights pop up every now and then on my twitter uh timeline and uh she's already nicer than than everybody in her grade <laughs> everybody two three years older than her so <laughs> well now you're uh, gonna feel how we feel when when she says i watched yeah. you growing up so <laughs> there's your <laughs> yeah, there's your medicine <laughs> Trey, we're going to let you go. We're going to let you go, but we are taking your invitation to your home seriously, and we're on our way. Yep, we're we're coming. Okay. All right, see you soon. (laughs) Sounds good. See y'all soon. All right, good luck, Trey. Stay (laughs) healthy, man. Thanks, Trey. All right. Another big topic coming in off this weekend was Colin Kaepernick getting a workout with the NFL you know, it's a story that dominated the sports Twitter over the weekend. Jay-Z and Roger Goodell being behind the tryout. Supposed to happen in Atlanta. Supposed to be no media. Then there was media going to be allowed. And then the the workout changed locations last minute. Kristen, um, the last three years, Colin Kaepernick has been out of the league. And in full disclosure, I don't watch the NFL. I don't prefer to watch the NFL. Love your honesty. I enjoy football and I watch college football from the moment I wake up until the moment I go to sleep on Saturdays. So I wouldn't know if physically right now, Colin Kaepernick is any better or any worse than any one of their 32 quarterbacks or any one of their backups or any one of their third stringers. I've obviously followed this story as it's been a headline for the last three years, but I want to know from you. Then as someone who not only watches the NFL, but has also followed the story very closely, is this more about his physical ability or about shifting the perception or simply about the perception that already exists? This was a tryout, not about ability, if I can say it in that way. I don't think anybody has doubted Colin's ability, even three years removed from the NFL. I think this was... Its purpose was to bring attention to the fact that Colin Kaepernick still does not have a job. And let alone a job, teams were scared to even be the first to work him out. And in somehow, some way, being able to do this, Jay-Z, Roger Goodell, their influence to bring attention to that kind of helped smooth things over and maybe get a bunch of scouts in a place where everybody can see him at once. But this was never about ability. I mean, nobody doubts his arm strength. Nobody doubts his ability on field. And Then do you think this perhaps shifted the perception of him off the field? No, this did not shift the perception of him off the field. You know, in right or wrong, Colin Kaepernick has stayed true to what he believes. There's a lot of people that they serve their purpose over time. They kind of get out what they want. They draw attention to something and then they change their tone because it doesn't serve them at this point in time. 
Colin Kaepernick called out the owners and said, go back and tell your owners, don't be scared. I've been ready for three years. I've been denied for three years. We all know why I came out here, showed it today in front of everybody. We have nothing to hide. So we're waiting for the 32 owners, the 32 teams, Roger Goodell, all of them to stop running. Stop running from the truth. Stop running from the people. He wore a Kunta Kente shirt to this workout. I don't know if he's changed his tone, and I don't think he ever will. And to me, love him or hate him, I don't think he's going to be Colin Kaepernick. How then does the perception of a person affect the value we place on that person as an athlete? The perception drives everything. I mean, it drives your career. It drives what people think of you. It drives public opinion. Well, because I don't think that right and wrong changes, but I do think that the narrative surrounding what's right right now and what's wrong right now absolutely does. Well, in 20 years, time will tell. I I do believe that in 20 years, especially now, we see people supporting Cap and rocking Kaepernick jerseys and things like that. I mean, hell, 20, 30 years ago, did we think of what we think of Muhammad Ali and Bill Russell Did we think of them that way? No. I mean, Cassius Clay was thought to be crazy. How could you dishonor your country to not enlist in the army and go over there and fight for it? And now, only now, are people commending him and basically saying how much of a hero and a martyr he he was. Same thing with Bill Russell. I mean, Boston was one of the most segregated places in the United States. And look what he's done for the advancement of civil rights. We didn't think of him that way back then, but now perception has changed and they're considered heroes. And I just continue to really want to be on the right side of history and really ask yourself, like, in 20, 30 years, is this really what the perception is going to be? What do you think the perception of Cap will be 20 years from now? I do believe he'll be thought of as a martyr and somebody that sacrificed their career for a, a cause that was bigger than them. And this never started off as about disrespecting America. It started off as bringing attention to the fact that, you know, we had to pay attention to police brutality. Um, but I guess only time will tell. Speaking of Bill Russell, he was inducted into the Basketball Hall of Fame back in 1975, but he didn't accept his ring. He felt like he shouldn't have been the first black inductee. He tweeted, though, as he has finally accepted his Hall of Fame ring, he said, I felt that others before me should have that honor. It's good to see progress. Chuck Cooper, Hall of Fame, 19. Chuck Cooper, of course, the first black athlete drafted into the NBA. He was inducted into the Hall this year. The NBA has for so long been in the forefront of athletes being activists and fighting for what they believe is right. I met a lot of Chuck's family at the Hall of Fame induction ceremony just earlier this fall, and they told me how long the fight felt, how long it felt as though they had been fighting for Chuck to be acknowledged as part of the Hall of Fame. And now that he is, of course, Bill has decided to accept his ring. What, though, Candace, do you feel like is the expectation for athletes to not only perform on the court, but off the court as well as as activists or as role models, right or wrong? Well, as perception goes, public opinion goes. At first, it was athletes just need to focus on being athletes. And we love the people that just 
shut up and did their job, just went out there and just performed and ignored their platform and their visibility to promote good change or change that they feel necessary. And now we've kind of switched gears into the fact that if people don't speak on certain things or don't speak up, public opinion shifts on that. They're shirking their responsibility. Exactly. And so I think that there's a balance. I do believe that you should do what you feel is right. And you should use your intention and those type of guides to, to speak on certain points or, you know, speak on social injustices. But at the same time, you shouldn't have to. And, you know, I'm a firm believer in using your platform to make things better for the generation following you. Because when we look back at Bill Russell, not only will he have more championship rings than he does fingers, and he's now accepted his Hall of Fame ring, we'll think far more about what he did off the court in a city where I would imagine the majority wanted not only not to root for him, but for him not to be there simply because he showed up in green and thought, this platform can be used for more than just myself. And now, one of my favorite segments. Mine too. The Ledlow Down. The Ledlow Down. So, Kristen, <laughs> what's the Ledlow Down? You look really cool when you say it, first and foremost. Thanks. But we've talked a lot about these veteran players getting second chances, getting second opportunities with franchises that are competing for championships. I was in Denver this past week, and the Brooklyn Nets were also there. They not only reached out to Amon Shumpert, signed Amon Shumpert, put Amon Shumpert through his stress and conditioning test, and made Amon Shumpert available in about a 48-hour period. I ran into Amon before the game, and I asked him how he was feeling, and he laughed, and he was tired. (laughs) It was a lot. But after the game, I asked Kyrie what it meant to have a guy that he had won a championship alongside. You know, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, obviously, it's good to have a friend here, um, you know, alongside with other great teammates, but uh, it's just more or less the understanding of the game that he brings and and what he brings on the court and uh, also his voice off the court. I know those guys will, you know, get great joy and also um, learn a lot from just having a wing out there and a guy that's played high-level basketball. How much, Candace, do you think is this signing about what he can bring to the Nets physically and about being Kyrie's friend and a guy who's won at the highest level with the guy you're running the majority of your offense through? I think it's a combination. You know, people underestimate how important it is to like your teammates. It's very important in culture. It's very important in building championship brand of basketball. I mean, everybody wants to like who you work with. It would really suck if I didn't like you, Kristen. I like you also. (laughs) It would really suck if we were not friends. I'm glad that we established it into the microphone. Exactly. But (laughs) I do believe Iman Shumpert brings basketball to the table. I mean, this isn't, you know, them just signing to have him be in the locker room. Oh, without a doubt. This is a guy. This is a guy. While they're riddled with injuries on their roster, especially while Karis Levert is out, that gives you some perimeter defense that has the ability to shoot when needed, but isn't going to be looked to to do that either. Yeah, and is somebody that well, had success last year with the Sacramento Kings before he was traded to Houston. He's played championship basketball within the last couple of years. He's that three-point, three-and-D guy that you need on your team, and I think he'll thrive in a system like Brooklyn that you know, thrives on isolations with Kyrie, but needs shooters around him. Do you think there's anything to make of Kyrie saying 
it's good to have a friend here? I would imagine he knows that his team hears what he says to the media. I don't think, though, that he was implying that any of his other teammates aren't his friends. But we've already heard these reports that these guys are feeding off of his energy, and it's not always a consistent energy. So I don't think that you have anything but to gain by signing someone he considers a friend. I'm not going to say the Ledlow and Parker podcast called it, but... Woj reporting that Portland is signing Carmelo Anthony. The Ledlow and Parker podcast called it. And now we know that Mello is a listener. Do we, does he subscribe? Yeah, he subscribes. I made sure. I made sure of it. Because he I, ran I mean, into him. Coincidence? I think not. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was, you know, just at a wine tasting, which is one of my favorite things to do in Los Angeles. Same, but yeah. anywhere. <laughs> And um, Mello happened to be there. We were doing Dom Perignon, Parker Wines. Um, it was an amazing dinner. And when I showed up, that was the first thing he said. He said, I listened to your podcast. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, you and Kristen's podcast. He's like, I, I listened to it. I appreciate it. I was like, what do you mean? He was like, well, you know, I'm with the Portland Trailblazers now. And I was like, yeah, I, I know. <laughs> He's like, no, but I hear, I hear you and I respect it, which meant a lot. Uh, to me. And then what do I do, Kristen? Well, you immediately FaceTime me, which I appreciate that you are really my only friend besides my mom that chooses to call as regularly as you do <laughs> rather than simply send a text message. But you FaceTime me while I, okay, I didn't realize it was a FaceTime at first. I just see that you're calling. So I push the green button and I'm in the Brooklyn Nets. I'm a FaceTimer. Locker. I'm yeah, a FaceTimer. You okay. Are. I don't, I like that. Yeah, I'm a FaceTimer because I like seeing you. Okay. Well, but just except not. when I'm in the Brooklyn Nets locker room and they've just lost to the Denver Nuggets. Not only lost, but blew a 16-point lead, I believe it was. Yeah, you answered in a whisper, and I was just kind of like, okay, well, I have good news. Um, saw Mello. He's going to come on the podcast eventually. <laughs> That's first. Second of all, he listens to our podcast and subscribes. And as you mentioned, not only was I whispering, but that means, you know how close you have to hold the phone to whisper into a FaceTime. And so then I tried got, to whisper. Yeah. Because I didn't want to be really loud. She's whispering into a screen showing her a very close-up version of my chin. <laughs> because I'm supposed to be doing a job. However, I was really excited to hear that Mello actually listened and now subscribes and now is going to be on the show. Yes, it's going to happen. But hopefully, you know, into the season, having a successful season with the Trailblazers, which I'm going to predict. That was going to be my next question. Will he finish this season with the Portland Trailblazers? Prior to Melo being available, the Blazers are 5-8. and eight. They're about to start a six-game road trip. And I think that there's no better time to add Melo to the team. You know, these things can go one of two ways. I don't know if it's going to be a similar situation like it was in Houston, where he was a part of it from the beginning, and he kind of was the person that they blamed for the problems. They're already having problems. Yeah. And so it's either going to stay the same or get better. And I do believe that he is going to be able to be that third guy. Obviously, it's going to take patience. But let's be honest. Portland is number two in volume isolation plays behind Houston. Yeah. Who uses that as their game plan. Right. And I think that this is perfect. Mellow isos. Well, and Houston surrounds those guys by shooters. Can't Mellow be one of those shooters for CJ and Dame? I think Mello will be one of those shooters at the four position. I don't believe that he will start, which I think he is okay with. 
but I do believe that he will close and finish a lot of games. And to me, as we've seen with Lou Williams, as we've seen with Jamal Crawford, as we've seen with Ginobili, really doesn't matter who starts a game. It's who's in there at the end when you're finishing. And why not go out there and cook a couple second units? Exactly. (laughs) And he always thrives on one thing you can count on Melo. I don't care if he's 35 years old or not. He is a bucket. And I think this is a perfect storm and that Portland does need somebody to come in and give them help. And I think Melo is at at a place in his career where he's ready to do that and be that guy. And it's a perfect locker room in terms of culture. I mean, Dame Lillard is one of the best guys in the NBA. CJ McCollum seems like they just want to win. There's mutual respect. Um, So I think it's going to be a good situation. Kristen, you cover a lot of West Coast games. You know, there's a huge possibility you're going to be covering Melo in the near future. When you're interviewing him post-game, what would you you ask him? I think at this point in his career, I'd want to know after having been away from the league for an entire year, stepping into this situation, how his mentality has shifted? Because there are so many talking heads, us included, talking about our expectations for this next season, not only of his career, but of his life. And I'd want to know how he's approaching it different mentally this time around. That'll do it for episode four. Episode five, though, we can't tell them yet. Oh, man, I'm so excited. No, we can't tell them yet. We cannot tell them yet. I think the only way that I could possibly tease it is that we were asked to present our heroes, and this name made the list. And when we called, she answered, and she said yes. 